0: Hello, everyone. Uh, we're back for another episode of the Online Selling Partner Podcast, and today I'm with Chris, uh, and Chris, so go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey,
1: everybody. Yeah, my name is Chris Keefe. I uh, I am what I jokingly refer to myself as a recovering corporate guy. I came <laughs> from the world of, of corporate small to medium-sized manufacturers. I live in the Northeast. I live in New Hampshire, and um, small, medium-sized manufacturers that were um building mostly tech stuff so i was first a director of sales guy then director of sales then tapped to be the next vice president i realized the international travel i was in southeast asia a lot china a lot setting up sales and service offices that got tiring started a family i uh, didn't want to travel as much stayed in the states started traveling around the states still realized travel overall was tough and then corporate life was tough so i said nope i'm done so i'm gonna jump into something else and I understood manufacturing, I understood people bought stuff and sold stuff. E-commerce made sense and I jumped into the world of Amazon and sold sold on Amazon starting in 2012. So not a complete OG, but I've been I've been around the block so I know a bit about it. I first started with private label and then moved into the world of Vendor Central. So I've got a pretty dang good um cross section of private label to 1P, 3P, did a lot of wholesale selling as well, as well as teaching people how to sell on Amazon, because I lived in the world of leaving your nine to five side hustle, turning into a big business. And I've, I've done that. Um, and now I, I run an agency where I help people in the 1P space, 3P space on Amazon and um, things with unauthorized sellers and intellectual property and all those kind of things. And wanted to talk to you today about some of those things, and hopefully we can share some value with uh, your community. Uh-
0: Thank you so much, Chris, and I'm excited about this interview. So, you have a ton of experience. Uh, you know, I started in 2015, so I'm like been around a newbie, man. Like, you know, <laughs> compared to to Chris and some of these guys I've had on this pod, uh, one of my f- uh, first guests on episode one, he was uh, he started in 2008. So, <laughs>
1: yeah, that, yeah, there you go. That, that's 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 an OG right there. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: so it was it was pretty cool, but. Um, yeah, I would say let's let's dive right in and let's let's uh, st- start talking shop. I think um, you have such a wide breadth of of experience, so it's so it might be a little hard to say, hey, we could rabbit hole so many so many subjects. Yeah, no, no doubt. But uh, you know, this podcast really is for brands and for brands that are on Vendor Central. So I I know a little bit of, uh, at the beginning of the pod we were talking a little bit about uh, Vendor Central and kind of the future of vendor central. So I know this is the beginning of the pod, but let's, let's talk a little bit about what you're thinking, what your predictions are on the future of vendor central versus seller central and what you've seen since 2012 to
1: 2023. Sure. Uh, easier to start from the beginning Yeah, you had mentioned it right before the podcast that vendor central, I think used to be smaller brands. They were, they were testing Mm -hmm. out what that model was going to look like, right. Buying direct from a vendor. So we were a young private label brand at the time. We were only doing about 1.1, 1.2 million. They yeah. sent out an invite. It was invitation only. They sent the invite out to us. Yeah. I don't think that stuff happens so much anymore. In that, it typically is more established, bigger brands. It, it may. I'm not really familiar with smaller brands, but they tend to be more bigger, established brands in the vendor central space.
0: Yeah.
1: Predictions. What? What? I think there's been rumors for years that like. Vendor central's going away, and I don't think that, that that's its semantics, I guess. But I don't think vendor central proper is going away. But it, 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 I I do believe there's going to be more of a homogenized approach because Amazon. I, I was fascinated when I was first with vendor central how siloed the two business units were. Amazon's yeah. famous for their siloing, right? I mean, they for. Yeah I think the, if you read the book the original story was very funny why that happened I think there was an adult product that kind of got uh, sent an email out to a number of customers that didn't like that so one of the early things Jeff Bezos said is we're going to su- we're going to silo this stuff where we're very separate smart to do it in some regards others not so much because I was fascinated with the vendor central side how little data was shared across the cubicles across the wall yeah when I see the seller central data for the years that I was selling. And then it goes to vendor central and I'm saying, look at the pricing, look at our sales, look at the reviews. Like, why don't we, why are you dropping the price so much? And they just weren't, they just weren't paying attention. And their answer was, well, we don't talk to those guys. I'm like, you have all the data in the world. What do you mean to talk to each other? So they were really, really independent units. And I found that disturbing and, and frustrating. So I think the future is they want to homogenize those where some of that data gets shared back and forth. I don't think vendor central goes away. I've talked to some folks at Amazon, some former Amazon people. I think it's just going to be a little bit more of sharing the resources and making it more more homogenized with the data, I think, because you see two two different parties. You get different data from Seller Central than you do Vendor Central, and I think they're trying to get that that more mashed up together is, is the vibe that I get.
0: You know, I wish I could remember the exact numbers, but I was just talking to an Amazonian the other day that uh his job he, he was uh, in finance and his job was to get reimbursements from sellers and yeah. starting like eight years ago so you know it was a little little while ago it was probably around that 2015 16 area and he uh he was in charges you know his job was to see how much money were they giving to reimbursements on sellers and how can yeah. Amazon avoid giving <laughs> more money and yeah. he was surprised at even 2015. Like the the amount of Amazonians in Seattle that focused on Seller Central was like three thousand, and the amount that focused on Vendor Central was like fifty thousand. That crazy, yeah. And, I mean, so and and at the time, Seller Central Vendor Central was about fifty fifty as far as revenue wise, but the so there Amazon went through a massive reorg in the last eight years where they said, hey, wait a second, we are really off balance here, yep. and now. Seller Central is due to more revenue than the vendor Central side. So what we're seeing a lot is vendor Central continuing to cut off or lessen their service for smaller revenue brands. And I'm saying smaller anything sub five million. Yep. Um, and on Amazon and uh, and really you know just only give vendor managers and service to people doing you know fifty million, hundred million stuff stuff like that.
1: Yeah, Bezos and his—I um, I referenced it a lot when it first came out. Twenty nineteen quarterly, mm-hmm. it was either annual wrap up or it was the Q two wrap up. But Bezos had said it was—it was a great headline. One, three uh, P sellers are kicking our one P butt. You know, third party yes. sellers are kicking our first party butt. And that was—I mean, that—that that was sort of that. It felt like that aha moment by Amazon where they went, "Holy smokes!" I mean, Vendor Central, okay, we understand it. That's more of the traditional, buy wholesale, sell retail model, and yes. they realized. The cash cow is all these people that are, you know, well, last quarter's pay per click revenue. If there's any indication, was up 22 percent, right? That they're they're kind of leaning more towards that Google model, where it's like a advertising is a cash cow. Advertising comes a lot from those independent sellers, the third party sellers. So so moving in the direction more of the three P versus the one P. I think before we had started the future, I do see and hear the scuttlebutt is that. Amazon's starting to look at underperforming or less profitable brands and they're kind of jettisoning those from the vendor program because they're looking for the few they want to keep they're looking to keep uh, um, more of the vendor program that's higher higher, higher margin and more profitability I think that, that that's a big that's a big thing i I think uh, what do they also do it's a legal thing I believe the the F, uh, the federal kind of pressure there Amazon got rid of eight of 10, eight of, um, um, 10 of 12 of their private clothing brands. So I think they're even doing some of their own Amazon basics and Amazon brand kind of things. They're pulling back on that. So, you know, I think does vendor central go away? No, the future, I think it's just going to be more refined, streamlined, and they're going to deal with bigger, bigger brands that are well suited for the program.
0: That's some great stuff there, uh, Chris. All right. So, great predictions, Chris. And I, I love uh, where your head's at with this stuff, because I, I think it's important for brands to know what it, what is the future. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about, I know you have a lot of experience with seller central and vendor central. So the, you know, I see brands thinking, should I do a hybrid approach? Uh, what is it like on the, the seller central side versus the vendor central side? Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about, um, about that
1: yeah i think that's a great question um i don't think i don't think vendor central is a panacea it's not a one size fits all and a solution for everybody there are brands that we work with and we've seen we've done ip enforcement and that kind of stuff that vendor central fits well i think people ask the question should i do it should i not if you've got products that you're doing large volume and they're a higher price point they're not super commoditized Vendor Central works well. Amazon has the DTI, the direct import, direct to import. That's a really good, big benefit of Vendor Central, right? Because Amazon just deals with it from cradle to grave. They'll cut you the PO, you sell it, they throw it over the wall of the boat and Amazon owns it. Yeah, um, That's a that's a good feature, right? That's, that's, a, that's a big feature to have. But not um,
0: all brands have that though.
1: Right, fair. Exactly right. So it, brands that need that, um, we deal with, well, I can... The kayaks. It, it, I won't deal a specific brand, but big, bulky, roto molded products. That's a you know that's a huge that, that's a big product to to move around. Great great idea to get let, let someone else deal with the import and customs and that kind of stuff. So you're right. Not everybody has that. The assumption, unfortunately, is Amazon's difficult. Vendor Central comes in. Hey, here's a here's an invite. Awesome. What people don't know is you still got to spend the market. Your, Amazon doesn't market for you. You've got to spend the dollars on the marketing side. Um, Amazon doesn't do the brand protection really for you. They don't do the unauthorized seller protection for you. You get the the sales volume and push from Amazon. That's nice, but it comes with the added cost of you still got to do the enforcement. you still got to do the, you know, you've got all the, the normal things you've got to deal with. And that's the, the part that, and it's not a nefarious thing. It's just Amazon just assumes you should know that. And a lot of people don't. And that's the challenge with, with the vendor side. You, the pros and cons are many, um, but those are the big ones that I see is, is it's not an answer for everybody, I don't think. So just be careful of that when a brand's looking, should we do vendor vendor central or not?
0: And I agree with you 100% on the larger items. I think logistically, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, we had... Dan Marizero's uh, on our last podcast, um, Dan, sorry if I mispronounce your last name again, <laughs> but he, he was talking about mattresses, how, you know, it just, yeah. they, they were selling mattresses. It just did not make sense, uh, fulfillment wise versus yep. what vendor central was offering. Um, and it sounds like the same thing. If I was making kayaks, I would definitely look into it, but you know, if you're having, if you're selling smaller items that are anything, uh, you know, over 10, $15, there's, they're could be more margin on seller central from what we've seen. Um, we've seen any products under ten dollars though, just as big bulky items, cheap items are really good vendor central. Uh, especially if you're in the food space and you want to control if you want lower price products like that and you want to control distribution, we do see if it's shipped and sold by Amazon, a lot of times Amazon's gonna control that buy box, especially on a smaller because the 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 third party sellers can't compete with yep. Amazon selling it at very low prices. So I think that's a great segue to t- start talking about distribution control. I know that's part of your expertise. And I I also, our company does a lot of distribution control for the brands that we work with. So we're the exclusive only three-piece seller for the brands that we work with. We try to make it, our experience a lot like Vendor Central where we're cutting the POs, they're just shipping to one location to us and then we're doing everything else. We're doing the marketing, we're doing the, the brand control. We're doing the um, management of the PPC, uh, updating all your photos, A plus content, uh, calling seller support. So that those are all the services that we're doing for free for these brands because we're yep. you know, we just buy and sell. And I think if if you are trying to control dist- distribution, which is very important, by the way, I, I think first off, I'm going to ask why. Why is it important? control distribution on amazon let's start there
1: yeah it's a great question some of this comes down to the unauthorized seller part some of it comes down to counterfeiting some of it comes down to just um price erosion yes Um, when we go to trade shows and deal with our favorite customers favorite clients people that we work with probably similar to you is our favorite people are those at a trade show that have a sign up that says no amazon sellers
0: yes exactly
1: Exactly. I I, I I get I get that I understand it, but I sort of chuckled to myself and and you know my conversation is why have you made an active choice to ignore the single largest retail channel in the history of mankind? You know, save Alibaba, probably. You know, they're 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 similar. You're just going to say no more. It has to come from a place of pain, no doubt. So that's the distribution side of things. There, there's just the pro- it's it's one of a couple things: MSRP, price erosion, unauthorized sellers, counterfeiting. That's you know it's one of those pain points. Um, or uh, one last one is it's really difficult because you've got situations where you've got re- if, if someone's doing well and you're in retail, now you've got a re- an online or a retail arbitrage play. Amazon makes it too easy to let that happen unless you really control that channel fully. It's very difficult for you to maintain all the things you want for your margins and, and, and IP protection. So managing that distribution channel is, is super key. And I, I love your model. We do, we do similar stuff. That, that, I think, is the challenge for many brands. And I see that's the direction that the business is moving in. I think brands it's are going to have to say, hey, man, I, I, back in the day, manufacturers manufactured, uh, distributors distributed, retailers retailed. That's it, man. It was simple, right? That's just the way that goes. Now you've got more and more manufacturers just because of shrinking margin, international pressures, the, the the world is flattening. You've got the situation where manufacturers are having to go direct. Okay, they go direct, but just sell online. What does just sell online mean? Walmart's a different animal, that Amazon's a different animal, that Target and Bed Bath, now Overstock.com. These are all individual business units that require almost a team of people to do that. So just selling direct, so your distribution becomes... Each of them is a massive project in and of itself, so I think you really need to find the, the, the people or the, the agencies that, that, that can handle that channel for you, assuming Amazon's going to do it in the vendor program sometimes, but most of the time people are finding, "Ah, they're not you know quite the answer we thought they were. Let me find another expert to help out with that." So I see that the direction they're going. you're in a smart space.
0: Yeah, and as, as you are too, Chris, and I, I think that uh, one important reason why I think just simplifying why it's important to control the buy box is you cannot advertise on Amazon without controlling the buy box. Your competitors that are controlling the buy box, they are taking market share from you because they're advertising on the spots that you need to be advertising on. Yeah. That's just, just one thing. I mean, let alone price erosion, people, uh, selling counterfeit products, unauthorized resellers, breaking your map, All of those things cause pain, pain, pain. And you can't even control what's going on unless you have the buy box, if that's through a partner, a third-party partner, through your own account, through your Vendor Central account, whatever. It's like you must control your D2C distribution on Amazon through uh, whatever avenue that is. You can't just let rogue random people do that for you because they're not going to have your brand best interest in mind and i can tell you because i started off as a wholesaler just like you did and you know all i wanted to do was flip boxes i wanted yeah. to buy something for a dollar and yep. sell it for two which is great i made money but i'm not thinking about the brand i'm not thinking about what the, what their images look like I, I don't even know how the thing works i don't know what that i'm selling like i'm like i'm not a user of the product you know it's so there's no there's no equity brand equity brand value that i'm bringing i'm just an arbitrage seller i'm just selling it for a yeah. dollar. Fine. I, I get that idea. You're exactly right. I get that
1: idea. If you're just throwing it on a shelf at target, yeah. look, that's, you know, people are strolling up and down the merchandising is what it is fine. And I know there's science there. I don't want to mean to, to poo poo retailers, but on the yeah. Amazon space, there's so much more that can be, and needs to be done that people just assume kind of happens. And you're exactly right. If you've got a skew and you have 10 sellers selling that skew, have you optimized your click-through rate? Do you know what your click-through rate is? Have you. Are you you killing it with, are you doing foo and you doing A-B testing on all of your images? How's your enhanced brand content? Are you using displayed ads? Are you just using sponsored ads? Are you using video? All of those are things that you cannot take advantage of if you're just simply selling through distributors and you don't own that channel. You've got to own that channel.
0: Yeah. And do you know what your real Amazon market share is? Yeah, right. I mean, in your subcategory, how much of the revenue are you actually controlling? When we go talk to a brand and say, "Hey, you're you're actually only one percent of your market on Amazon," and some Chinese uh, company that you've never heard of is forty percent. Yep. This it, it's a wake up call to these brands. They're like, "Wow, look, I'm I'm just not even paying attention." But there is so much more revenue for you on Amazon that you don't even realize if you would just focus on.
1: Agreed. Yeah. And you you do lose that when, when you don't, when you don't own the channel and you just kind of, it, it it sometimes is appealing. Hey, just sell it. We sell a whole bunch of stuff. We don't really care if it goes to Amazon. Great. We made their money because they got their PO on the front end. They made their dollars, whatever happens to it happens to it, man. I, that's a sad story to me because you lose so much, like all all the reasons you just said, you lose so much of the control and all of the, the levers that you can pull nowadays with the pricing pressure, international pressures, You've got to take advantage of that, and you can't when you're when you've just got a sales channel that's gone rogue.
0: All right. So, talking more about distribution control, let's get into the weeds a little bit. So, how can a brand do distribution control? So, here's the objections I hear all the time. I don't want to upset my distributors' relationships that I have. Right? If you know I'm doing fifty million dollars in revenue every year with this distributor, if I call them and say you can't sell to these five Amazon sellers they're just going to cut me off and, and it's it's going to be bad for my relationship. What's your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, that
1: th- there's the rub. I, I think the concern is exactly that. Hey, I've got a big brick and mortar, if you will, distributor. Yeah. Nuancing that, the idea is I'm losing the sales completely. You're not. If you go through the single source, almost unequivocally, are you going to be able to Purchase more from the brand. Let them have, in my opinion, let them have the other channels. That's fine. Contin- if you're selling to brick and mortar and you're great in other retailers, no problem. That's fantastic. But cleaning up the Amazon space ends up being better for the distributor later on because it's just a cleaner environment. You can increase the pricing. Margins are better for everybody. And the, the proverbial rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. It's smarter for the brand to get some level of exclusivity there. And Take it over for the Amazon space because that will increase margins and pricing, and just better control in all the other places. It, that, that that's that's shown time and time and time again.
0: You're going to help your brick and mortars. Yep. By controlling who sells online. Yep. You're gonna. I mean, it's it's just how it is. And um, I mean, that's th- th- exactly right. Th- we we see it all the time. You see a a
1: the race to the bottom. You get you get ten wholesalers on there, and naturally you've got repricing you have this repricing software out there i'm going to sell it for dollars 19.99 i'm going to sell it for 19.98 i'm going to sell it for 19.95 i'm going to sell it for $19 that race to zero is just it's frustrating and now your retailers your brick and mortar are saying what's going on dude that's more frustrating to them if you have exclusivity and a managed distribution on amazon what happens the overall lift is now you can control msrp and your brick and mortars are like this is much better so someone's not going to be coming in go or looking on their phone standing in the store going i can get it much cheaper at amazon i'm just going to go buy it on amazon no increase the price a little bit on amazon if you if you've got a good map pricing with with a sole source distributor say no i got to keep it at 20 bucks great you can you can sell more with a distributor saying to, to to your brick and mortar saying, "Great, I'll I'll sell it to you, and you can do $19.50, nineteen fifty nineteen bucks in your stores." A, a, an advantage to somebody else, so incentivize them. So there are much better advantages if you do things correctly with managing that that distribution chain on Amazon.
0: Not only that, you can use Amazon as a customer acquisition channel to your brick and mortars. And, you know, with content pieces that talk about you're available at XYZ brick and mortar, you can have um, advertisements inside your product inserts that talk about going into brick and mortar or going to the DZC site. There's not a lot of people that think of Amazon as a customer acquisition channel, and it it is a very strong customer acquisition channel. Fantastic point. 60% of customers... When they're searching for a product online, will start their search on Amazon. You might they Google there's a quote out there with one of the VPs at Google that said that Amazon is their next biggest competitor in search. yep you know and, and it's it's so true. I mean you, they might the customer might end their purchase in a retail store. they might end their purchase at the D two c site, but they're going to check Amazon to see how your reviews are, see, you know, what your content looks like. So at least making it look nice is imperative. With so-
1: that, you bring up a great point. We, we work with Pure Wine. It's a fan, fantastic technology, lots of patents. It, they, uh, the company removes sulfites and histamines out of wine. It's a wine wand. Um, they use Amazon very well, but they're struggling with um, unauthorized sellers. They struggle with patent enforcement, but their D2C site does about five x AOV their average order uh, value and 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 customer is five x on the D2C site. So that's exactly what we talked about. Is let's get that exclusive agreement where let us run the craziness that's going on in the Amazon space, and then you, much like you buy it wholesale. Great, that's fantastic. Now. Let's go over to the Amazon side and handle that while your site is killing the game. You you have great customers, you have great customer attention, you've got their emails. Now you can really build your DTC brand and let, you know, Amazon do its thing. Be profitable, be sensible about it, make sure there's no retail arbitrage, online arbitrage going on. You can build a really massive brand over there, and that's—I that, don't think that gets talked about enough. And that's a, that's a really great point. Assuming that Amazon's the end-all be-all, hey, it can be a—it doesn't have to be a loss leader. It can be a great way to generate clients with the correct product product inserts, all within TOS TOS and terms of service compliant and everything. But get them over to your D D2C site, and then you know build your brand there, build your brand loyalty on that side. It's a good point.
0: And not a lot of brands are doing it, and the brands that are doing it are crushing it. Um, you know, I. Reed. I've, I've seen them I've seen them actually do the loss leader thing where they're selling something they're not making any money on it. It's a 599 product, but they're getting a customer and they get that customer information and they can sell them on a $500 product later. Yep. so anyway, this is all uh, great stuff so um, Chris let, let's talk more about ways to control your unauthorized sellers and, and some ways that you guys uh, help brands controlling control their unauthorized sellers.
1: When I was a wholesaler, um, I I dealt with this quite often and I was like you frustrated because I would get angry when people wouldn't let, I was gated, I was brand gated or something like that. (laughs) I get it. I understand that. So from the brand's perspective, Hey man, no, you can't sell this. And I thought, what's the big deal? The big deal is all the things we just talked about price erosion. And I didn't really understand the issues of um, counterfeiting, how huge a deal that is. I mean, you remember it got so bad for companies like Birkenstock. They're back on Amazon, but they were so frustrated. They said, we're, we're done, man. They had to pull off the platform because so much stuff was going on there. So of course they're going to brand gate. Of course they're going to, they, they don't want people reselling their products. So I didn't like that from the wholesale side. I'm like, ah, that stinks. Um, why are they doing that? Now I get it being a little bit more on the other side. So what can brands do? What should brands do? There's a lot of talk um about the first sale doctrine i mean federal a lot of case law around that saying hey there is a fundamental right in the world of of the us and retail sales if you buy a product from wherever you buy it as long as it's unadulterated original packaging you don't know changes you're allowed to sell that wherever you want whatever channel you want whatever price you want okay i get that there is mounting case law that's changing where people are saying no that's not necessarily the case just because you buy it somewhere and this is all a, a a function of e-commerce and having to kind of change those rules and, and what's going on there. So we had talked about it before. OtterBox they, they they had a big case that now there are methods in place by which you can make adjustments to your website. You can make adjustments to your product and the claims and things that go along with it that allow you to prove. Anything as if it's not purchased, if you're not, if you're not an authorized reseller and you don't meet the certain requirements, you are no longer allowed to sell that on the platform on, on other platforms. So you can remove unauthorized sellers or if you are a brand, sometimes people tell are told that they can't lawyers like to tell people all the time. No, you can't do that because of the first sale doctrine or whatever. There are ways to do it correctly above board legally within terms of service. So there are ways to do that. So unauthorized sellers are a big problem. You have to make some adjustments to the website. Amazon does also help with, they did it for counterfeiting, but I like the program and I think it suits some brands. Well, the, the transparency program, there's ways to say, look, you gotta implement transparency where that, that proves that the the sales are from authorized sellers, you put a transparent code on your product and as soon as you try to sell it f send it into fba if you bought it at costco or tj maxx or whatever amazon says great what's the transparency codes uh i don't have any you're never you're not allowed to send the stuff in so you can't sell it can't sell it on amazon so those are those are methods to use to to make sure that you you can you can clean up your brand and not have unauthorized sellers
0: and we do we have to deal with all of those things all the time you know, helping brands uh, craft their messaging uh, to the unauthorized sellers, and craft their messaging to their distribution um, their distribution channels. Yep. Basically, saying like, now we're 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 setting these things in place where it is you know a change of material or whatever uh, the correct terminologies are, and we have lawyers that that do that. Um, but also, I, I don't know if you do this or not, but like we. We actually contact, on behalf of the brand, the unauthorized resellers, uh, making them aware. And we have a very high, probably a 80% success rate on getting the unauthorized sellers to give us invoices on yep. where they're getting their product. Because if you could find where they're getting the product, then you can figure out how to how to shut them down. And if they don't give you invoices, then it's a really good chance that they are um, buying from really great market or, uh, you know, counterfeit. So it's, 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 kind of the way that we do it and, in our process. And I was curious kind of how, how you guys do it, uh, Chris, if you guys kind of have a similar approach. Yeah, we,
1: we, we take that approach, uh, very, very similar to yours is we, we yeah. I, I'm sensitive to the world of, of wholesalers. I, I get people are trying to to yeah. make a buck. I'm an entrepreneur too. They're, they're running their business. I, I totally understand. I'm not looking to submarine anybody and the brands aren't either. It feels like Amazon, unfortunately, has made this contentious kind of relationship between like, oh man, those guys over there and those guys over there. I think I get it; that happens, but it doesn't have to be that way. And a lot of times, le- leading with your face and sending a cease and desist, and just saying, oh, you know, send a lawyer letter, as opposed to just simply asking, hey, where'd you get this stuff? Um, you know, just wanted to find out because we 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 really sell through the brand we us or who we represent was looking for authorized sellers only, where did you get that stuff? That helps with, just as you said, supply chain leakage, where are they getting this stuff? I've had clients, by the way, it was really funny, could not figure out what was going on. They had this old legacy coupon on their D2C site that they totally forgot about that sellers were just using over and over and over and getting stuff really inexpensively on a one-time deal back in the day, they just didn't see it. So then they flip it over on Amazon and I'm like, dude, that solves like like you don't really have an unauthorized seller problem. You've got a we forgot to shut a coupon off problem. Anyways, that, that helped get rid of that. But reaching out to people and through exactly what you just said, asking that question, someone's like, well, I got it. From, what are you talking about? I got it from you guys. Oh, no. So that was a, a good way to source it. So I don't want that to be contentious. We ask that question and simply say, hey, look, man. And a lot of sellers know that. They're like, I, I get that. They ju- we want to clean up the landscape. They want to protect their price erosion. And most people say, I get it. Can I just sell through the stuff and be done with it? Yeah, man, totally fine. And yes. so change language on the website. Ask the people not to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, you'll get the occasional person that really digs their heels in and says no and really want to fight that. Then the brand can make a choice. Do we really, you know, really lean into that person? And there are methods to do so. But we try to the old more flies with, with honey than vinegar kind of thing. Just, just be nice about it first and, and get rid of the sellers and just kind of clean up the landscape a little bit.
0: And you come with a great point. And I think I love your background where you come from the world of a wholesaler and you understand them. And, and I do too. So like when a brand would send me a cease and desist, like Voris, right? Yeah. Those I, folks. Garbage, right? I mean, like I just, I just, they, whatever, just throw in garbage because what are they going to do, right? Are they going to sue yep. me? Like, like, I'm like, I, I remember back in the day, I was like, uh, I had like, 20 units of some skull candy and they sent me uh cease and desist. I'm like, you think I'm, you know, I'm just going to sell through these, you know, but I, I'm, yeah. you know, the cease and desist are nice because it made me realize, okay, well, I don't maybe want to pursue this brand. Um, but if a brand sends me a letter and says, Hey, you know, we're, we, we want to see if you're, if you're counterfeit or not, because we are suspecting you to be counterfeit. We really want to, Uh, know what's going on and if you are an authorized seller we will work with you like you said i love that uh honey versus the vinegar it works because they realize oh wow you know you you understand what's going on and then a lot of times we offer the resellers to buy back the inventory with the brand and say like hey we don't want to put you in a bad spot well if it's good inventory it's our fault we sold it to you we'll buy it back Um, you know, send us your invoice, how much you pay for it. And then, uh, you know, it doesn't always work out, but we have done that in the past. That's smart. And, uh, but anyway, it's, we're all, I think we're all trying to solve a problem that Amazon has caused. Amazon has caused this, but we're here to say, "Hey, Hey, this is not working. The good news is Amazon is giving more preferences to brands, in my opinion. I'm seeing on the seller central side, we're actually getting even more brand tools than on the vendor central side now. And I would say the last two or three years, Um, you know, more brand analytics. I can look at more data, more deeper demographics data, more search data. I can say exactly what, how many people searched a certain search, whatever the search term is, and how many people converted on my ASIN. I mean, we, we, we have nitty gritty Sales data for or not only sales data, but demographics data and, and brand analytics data um, and tools for advertising that are, are getting more and more for for brands on the seller central side with a brand referral bonus now. We can send uh, our affiliate traffic to Amazon and Amazon's giving us a 10% kickback. Yep. Um, you know, so all these things that I don't think that's available in, on vendor central. You know, no,
1: that's a great point. You've got uh, uh, UGC user-generated content. You've got Google starting to go,, we're kind of getting our butt kicked. There's some really good tools and companies out there, uh, ped being one of them that that'll send Google traffic correct. over to Amazon, referral bonus, as you said. that's that's so much more control for your brand. and and the sellers yep. the seller central side has gotten more and more of exactly that. it It's Again, if you're a nationally recognized huge brand where people are coming with very specific buying intention, I want to buy this branded product. Vendor Central is great. And back to the point of importing and those kind of things, fantastic. If you're a brand slugging it out trying to figure stuff out, I don't know, man. I I think Seller Central really is the direction to go. It's more control.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Chris, I want to, I want to, I want you to tell me one of the biggest success stories in your business that you've you've worked with a brand and and seen some incredible success.
1: That's great. Um good question. Th- thanks for thanks for letting me uh beat beat my chest a little bit.
0: Um I want to hear it, man. I, I, I love it. <laughs> I'm not going to follow up with my best story. I'll just listen to yours.
1: <clears throat> hey man, to, you you to your, uh, your your operation, you can do whatever you want. Um but yeah, I'd love to hear that too. But um the, I I think from Two big ones, um, if, you'll, if you'll indulge me. Just the first one being intellectual property, um, and it relates to 1P versus 3P. They are through Vendor Central. Um, I don't want to share their brand just because of just, – just for, for – um, respect them and, and non-competes and that kind of stuff, but you NDAs.
0: You want me to pitch them. That's really- <laughs> you can try, but
1: we're that good. They wouldn't, they wouldn't oh, take oh, oh. your call. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, this is an interesting one. They're 1P. And they have a lock tight solid utility patent. And their attorneys had told them, numerous people told them. They tried in the past. We can't can't enforce that patent. And it's a kind of commoditized product at, at at a twelve or thirteen dollar price point.
0: Thank
1: um you. we've taken down to date five hundred and forty-six unauthorized sellers.
0: Through Amazon, and- Amazon brand registry? Yep. Wow.
1: Quite successful. H- huge. And that gives That's- them great lift. And what that did is That's the, this is the one P three P thing, man. They're vendor central. So, and with that downward pressure and that effort of, of trying to enforce that, what happened? They ended up when they first launched the product in the space four years ago, they were, they pretty much for organic top 20 keywords. They're pretty much, they, they owned it and instantly they get that downward pressure. No matter with patents, IP didn't matter. And what happened was after all these, these listings got created, they started to consolidate more and more and more where they basically had their one parent listing and they had, I think it was 18 or 20 different children. Some of them just totally different products. That's the only thing they knew to do. Amazon, once again, Vendor Central's like, hey, what are you gonna do? They didn't care. They're making money on every single transaction, competitors or otherwise. So they just threw their hands in the air. By, by enforcing that through brand registry and getting that to work, we got rid of all those sellers, and then they're able to break out those ASINs again to create that digital moat. Now they own more real estate again. They can break out the listings, where the organic search terms is not just that one parent with all the children, the, 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 fa- the logical fallacy of, of um, humans, too many choices are too many choices. So they're, they're too frustrated. they're like, oh, that's too many. I knew that was bad. Customers go, "I don't, too many colors, too many choices. You've got to break those listings out. So by doing so, this they allowed them to make those multiple listings. Again, they own more digital space. Now they have a moat around it and then they're back in business and doing really really well. That's probably our that's our biggest success by far. And what um, was
0: the, If you had to guess your revenue growth from doing that?
1: Um we have pretty good pretty good guess, pretty good metrics they 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 were losing uh top line revenue it's a little bit of a seasonal product top line revenue in peak summer months they were losing about a million a month to competitors. they they were it's not a one to one but they had a of the sellers that were selling knockoffs to their product about 1.1 million in those every single month that they they were losing out on or going going somewhere else so looking at the numbers their lift this year was about a they're almost 2x in the business compared to what they were doing prior before before employing us humongous lift. and a lot of it is of course again just get, get, just get rid of those competitors that's, that's really awesome. big but getting rid of the competitors but back to leveraging amazon the way it should be leveraged let us have more organic keywords let us do more of the 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 enhanced uh, brand content the video ads display ads those competitors you aren't fighting in the market you built with a utility patent you have, you you created your own competition and Amazon kind of allows that you create competition that they're then you're paying for sponsored ads and display ads and video ads against, against yourself, basically, because you you've allowed all those competitors in. Once they go away, your PPC goes down, your, your overall cost per click, AOV, tacos, all those um, ACOS, all of them go down because you're not competing against this flood of people. It's just you and a few other similar products, but not infringing products. So Big win. I'd say almost doubled up this year. We're going to recap again. We're almost done. We're going into Q4. So we're going to recap because the big summer months is their their big business. So we'll recap that and um, get get the, the final post-mortem on that. But a really big win, I think.
0: And you said you had one more.
1: Yeah, I, I do like the, the pure wine side of the house is a big one. That's more the unauthorized seller. And just, just solving that problem for them and, and being able to get rid of the unauthorized sellers, They they did big pushes through Costco and some big box stores. And- being able to do just what you said. They like, well, can't do anything. They have every right to buy it and sell it. No, implementing the, the, the transparency program and getting that in place where, hey, they now control the channel and they can handle the display ads and, and all the things that, that work the way they should. Yes. Similar thing. That lift for them at re- much smaller brand, much smaller revenue overall. But now they can control the space, and they're they're in the world of brand building now. They've got a great product. They've been all over the place. They've been on Good Morning America and Today Show. I mean, they're they're. they're but theirs is a market awareness and a a market um, education, and they can't. They're not in the phase where they can spend lots of money willy nilly. They've got to control that channel really really tightly. So they've got to be super careful of exactly that knockoffs and that kind of thing. So make an exclusive agreement. Find someone that can help manage that, just like you're doing. Find a way to get with somebody that knows how to navigate those waters with you and for you, that have your best interest in mind, or in your case, ours is similar. We put the money where the mouth is. We'll we'll buy it from you. Like, uh, God love, I love your model. There's so many agencies out there that are, um, pay us 10 grand and we'll totally do some stuff, okay? And they don't. And they're like, well, that stinks. Amazon's hard. Anyways, they're on the next customer. People ask us all the time. I'm sure they ask you, yeah, that sounds really good, but how much is it going to cost us? we'll pay you to do it. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, we'll buy it. We'll put our money where our mouth is, sell that stuff. I see that as, be, I mean, you're kind of betting your company on it, similar to us. I see yeah. that as a direction that's going on Amazon. I think you have to. I think, I think gone are the days where when I started in 2012, when you started in, in 2015, is that what you said? Yep. I, think it's a, I, think, I think the landscape is changing enough that you need experts in the space that can kind of hold your hand and are willing to, to jump in the fight with you and not just... Uh, not just saying, "Pay me," and I'll totally run some run the business for you I think they think those days are gone
0: I, I I'm gonna dig a little bit in I know we're a little bit over time here right. uh, but uh i I want to dig a little bit into your business model like compared to our business model. so I know we have not talked about this yet, um, so I think this would be interesting so because i'm I'm always here to learn um so with I kind of explained my business model a little bit earlier on. Where we're just we don't charge anything; it's just buy and sell. Uh, mm-hmm. But but we're it sounds like you do a little bit of a more than just buying and selling. Or, or tell me a little bit more about your business model and your pricing. yeah.
1: We we do have the agency model where um, intellectual property enforcement, unauthorized sellers. That's very very hard to do. So the 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 AMZ watchdog side of the house is the is exactly that. It's an agency style. Pay us dollars. We'll help enforce that. We'll take the unauthorized sellers down. We'll, we'll do the brand enforcement through brand registry. Um, how much is it? Um, really great question. Really depends on the number of SKUs, right? So it really depends on the number of unauthorized sellers and how broad based of a problem it is. Typically it's in the few thousand bucks uh, for utility patent enforcement, depending on on the number of, um, with a brand that's got 540, that's a different conversation. That's uh that's. Multiple thousands of dollars per month, and it's a -a whack-a-mole game, right? Because you take, when you take some of the the sellers down, you create a vacuum. Great tools like Helium 10 are out there, right? And they're immediately going to say, find me high-volume, low-competition products. Problem is, when we take 100 people down, now you've got less competition, high-volume, people going, great. You're going to get people going in there, go to Alibaba, take the thing, and go sell it. So that's that's the problem. That's why it's a typically 6- or 12-month agreement. Usually it's in the few thousand dollars per month to help effect that. But to the point earlier, you're talking about a lift of hundreds of thousands of dollars per month, potentially that it's, it's kind of a no brainer. What, what our fees are. It's, it's a, and it's pretty easy math. You, you're losing this. It's very clear. These are the number of sellers. Yes. They're, 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 you're losing this much top line revenue. You want to get that un- under control. Here's what we do for you. And typically always we're, we're far cheaper than lawyers. <clears throat> God love them. Um, so
0: and- that go ahead. No, I was just thinking the, the difference, like we we do, I believe what you do in that, um, but we don't charge anything for it. Excellent. Now, uh, we're we're just doing a, a hundred percent. I mean, we're doing all transparency program implementations. We're doing the um, lawyers, the cease and desist, the yep. all the distribution control. And right now, with all of our partners that are signed with us, that are willing to play ball and do you know work with us. Um, we're at a hundred percent success rate, I believe well at as far as, as what we're doing. And it took a lot of work and something like it doesn't take overnight. I mean, like you said, it's going to take six to 12 months. It's going yep. to And so now that you're telling me that you're charging for this, I'm wondering if I should change <laughs> and charge for this. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, like, yeah. the
1: reason we do that is not everybody. I mean, I, I love your pitch. So the flip side of that is, yeah, we do very much what you do as well. And we, yeah ultimately like to when brands kind of throw their hands up and say man you're, you're doing a great job can you just kind of take that over yeah we, yep. we do that as well but part of it is not everybody needs to do that or wants to do that or they, they've got such a complex distribution network themselves they just say look just get please get rid of these guys and you know the amount of time and effort and yeah, money to get that done it, it front end there's a lot so we yeah. do. And yeah, I mean, heck start charging for it. So for some <laughs> brands, they just don't have the, they're not looking for a big partner. They're like, look, we're all set. We're, we've got that locked down. We don't want that right now. We just really need the help of what's happening. So that's the agency side of the house. And and very similar to you though, we, we definitely, there are brands that say, I, I can't do it. We can't do it anymore, man. We're just, we're just so we're overwhelmed. It's too much. And yeah. then we do similar to you with like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll buy it and we'll, we'll straight up buy it at the wholesale and then we'll sell it. I, I love what you're doing i love your willingness to have me in the podcast i can say again unequivocally there is so much business out there and there's so much there's so much help needed i don't think either one of us could could grab enough customers fast enough to to it's a it's a necessary thing and amazon's kind of created that and i i love sharing this kind of information and i think we're far better together than we are apart because we're not in competition nearly as much as Uh, with each other as much as, as much as these brands are fighting downward pressure of unauthorized sellers, international sellers, all that kind of stuff. Let's, let's, let's spread this information and make it, make people aware and get people to go, Oh, I didn't even know that was a possibility. They told me you couldn't do that. That that's, that's what I'm here. That's what I'm all about. I'm glad, you know, glad, glad you've got a similar model and we're fighting the same fight.
0: I agree, Chris. And I, and to talk about the, the massive amount of opportunity of, of brands out there, There in in our calculations, there's around two hundred thousand brands that are doing uh that that need a service like us. We in the next three years are only gonna be able to service fifty of them. Yeah, exactly. Fifty of them, right. Yep um and and it's still it's still hard to educate and convince a brand and especially your CEO and presidents to say like hey this is the right direction to go i'm going to give all my business to one customer and you know they they don't understand like how is this going to work um and and we try to make it as easy as possible it's like hey if you want to leave us just 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 leave us if we're not doing our job yeah. right you know but uh you know at least give us a try you know but i think that there's so so much out there especially I recommend trying to work with a company that is, you know, category specific to you. So I'd be like, I'm not going to, I don't know anything about the beauty category. I don't, I don't, I don't mess with the beauty category. I don't, you know, and, and there's a lot of nuances to that because of all the different certifications you have to have and all, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I, I was talking to another guy on the podcast. He, he kind of does what we do. He's a lot smaller, but, um, you know, he's doing uh, tools and mm-hmm. automotive and like I don't do anything in automotive. I mean, maybe we'll branch into it one day. But, um you know, most of our success has been through sports and outdoors, toys and games and um, g- grocery, which still i'm like not really looking to expand my my grocery business <laughs> yeah i stay away from, yeah we stay away from that that good, good for
1: you Ex- expiration dates and yeah. food and shipping chocolate and that kind of stuff ah, I, don't, I don't want to deal with it
0: it's it's it is it is tough but there's a um, there's just there's just a lot of business out there so if if i can uh you know help you and 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 constantly to spread the message and to know hey you need to control your distribution you need to come up with a strategy. I think a lot of companies just don't have a good strategy. At the end of the day, They're yeah, always-
1: it, it. You're exactly right, and it's it, it's it's great to share these stories. We're going to have to move in a direction of specialization. That's just yeah. a fact. To be, yeah. for one person, I I feel bad for brands that say no no no. We've got an Amazon person. I want to <laughs> cuddle that poor Amazon person on staff and say, your life is probably hell because the downward pressure you've got from increase sales get rid of the competitors they ju- they're one person with eight or nine hours a day working working you know for for their salary i know i know how hard this game is and in the world of so much information in one particular space i can't fathom one person trying to worry about solving all of those problems you really are going to have to get specialized work with someone that eats sleeps and breathes it this is all that i've done my business partner chris another chris chris and i combined have Almost thirty years just in e commerce and combined over twenty years in just the amazon space nice. that so someone that's an amazon expert that's one person on staff for a hundred million dollar company or a couple people it, i i don't take anything away from them, I'm sure they're fantastic at their job, but you've got a staff we've got a staff we've got a legal team that we work with that eats, sleeps, and breathes Amazon as sure. well. This is not just. I called our lawyers. Those poor lawyers are like, I don't, I don't know how to navigate those waters. You need specialization. You need a deep dive on every aspect of this thing. Our, our PPC and sponsored ads experts handle that kind of thing. We don't, personally, we don't handle that in-house because that's so specialized. There are, there are people that their entire multi-million dollar business is nothing but that tiny sliver of how to optimize sponsored ads on Amazon. That's how specialized this world is getting. So these poor brands that are like, I'll go do some ads. Like, Good luck. Call us in a couple months when it doesn't work out.
0: I'm talking about specialization. There is an agency I know of that all they do is remove negative reviews, TOS compliant, and they're making millions of dollars. Yeah. And all they're doing, they're submitting cases to Amazon to remove negative reviews. That's all they do. That's a great story. Or, or, uh,
1: Katita, they're doing nothing. Aren't they? They're mostly, um, just Amazon reimbursements for, um, when, when Amazon doesn't reimburse for lost shipments, uh, overages, that kind of stuff. There are, so you want to talk about nuanced and subtle. There are so many individual, uh, verticals and markets that you can get involved in. It's hard for brands work with a brand that specializes in exactly that. We eat, sleep, breathe the Amazon model. That's it. You do as well. We want to grow with a brand. We'd rather specialize in that. And I, and I like your model similar to ours. We'll, we'll put our money where our mouth is. It's our money on the line. It's our capital. And trust me, we don't want to lose money. That that's, that's, we can't, it, it, we wouldn't, we, we cannot succeed unless the brand succeeds. So again, I see that as the direction that it's going where we're, we're we're betting the company on it and so far great success sounds like you're you're killing the game as well so if we can just just spread the message get more people that have thrown their hands up and said i can't do it anymore there is a solution there is an answer um you know call you call your team uh that's 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 the way to do it for sure there 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 is a lifeline out there
0: that's right so chris do you specialize in any categories
1: we don't specialize in categories per se but there are categories we don't go into um grocery not a big thing that we we do with i mean so to refine it, yeah, we do specialize really consumer goods like home kitchen, dining, and um, outdoor sports. Um, that's pretty much where we like to stay. Again, that's kind of the world I came from. I don't like cosmetics, beauty, supplements, um, electronics, high return, stuff that I just don't understand. So we stay more in the consumer front end kind of stuff That that's a little bit more commoditized, ubiquitous kind of products. but. I like that because it's a little bit more challenging because you've got a situation there. Unfortunately, they're pretty easy to get, but within those spaces, there are brands that have good patents and good IP and, and, and good stuff that's behind them. And I, I, I stand by the fact, and I think you're taking a little bit of an angle. We haven't really talked about this, but I firmly believe that in order to succeed on Amazon, you really have to have something that you can defend. It's very, very hard to get something that isn't going to be knocked off virtually instantly. For for less money, and you're gonna have a hard time competing. And I, I I applaud people on LinkedIn saying build a brand, build a brand. I get that, man. But the idea of like oh just go build a brand that is so hard to do. I I like the idea of get something that's that's defendable in the world of IP or something like that. That 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 to me is you can build a brand all you want, but that's years of work and lots and lots and lots of money and time. I'd rather I'd rather take a product that's got good sales, but is getting beat up in the marketplace. And help them navigate, get rid of counterfeits, get rid of people that are that are unauthorized sellers, optimize that channel for them. Th- then go about you know building your brand. Get get the dollars in the door first.
0: I love it, Chris. I've had a lot of fun talking to you. Went way over time, but it uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, and how can people reach out to you? Uh, you could just go to the website amzwatchdog.com. Um again,
1: my name's Chris Keefe. Uh, Chris Keefe at amzwatchdog.com. If you're if you're looking for any help advice, really appreciate the time. It's been it's been wonderful to talk to you. Isaiah's uh, fun to see on LinkedIn. I know you've got a great business you're growing. We're we're in a similar world, similar spaces, verticals and um Hopefully we see it at some 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 shows and and sharing the licking our wounds in the Amazon space for sure because man it sure sure ain't easy but really appreciate the time and, and hopefully got some value for for your your community and that kind of stuff and if you have any help certainly reach out to Isaiah and his team but if uh, if um doesn't work out with him or if he's got he says he's too full um reach out to us.
0: Oh, that's right. Well, I appreciate that, Chris. And also, I'm just going to point it out. I've had a lot of fun interviewing you. You're so good at answering questions and you have a very uh, deep lexicon also. And and (laughs) I appreciate that very much. Yeah. So. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks.